0: This is the psychology that you wanna put inside of your, your marketing so that they feel it's a benefit and it should be, honestly, a benefit to them to sit on a call with your team. You're qualifying them, but they're learning what they need to do to solve their problem at the same time.
1: Does this sound familiar? Marketing says we generated X leads and sales isn't following up on them. What's the point? And then sales says, these leads are cold and unqualified. Why would I call? Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Bayer and I will be your host. Today's guest is Brandon Smiths. He is a partner at 8 Loop and he also runs a couple other companies that we will get into. He's the chief marketing officer of Solar Cheat Code and he's the founder of Growth Inc. In today's episode. You might be wondering, what does all this have to do with social media and public relations and running an agency? Well, it has everything to do with it. And in this episode, we go over everything from the art of persuasion, whether it's organic or paid, the art of the offer, and also how important experience is internally for your team, for your customer, for your prospects, and whether you're an agency or a B2B or B2C company. What exactly does experience mean? Among other things. So this is going to be part one of a two-part episode. So stay tuned for next week's episode, where we cover topics such as digital wellness and how important that is, whether you're growing your team or whether you're working with clients or you're an entrepreneur. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, everybody. Hey, Brandon. How are you?
0: Hello. I'm doing very well.
1: Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I like literally like for those that can't see me, I have been on a boat for about five or six days. So I'm very sunburned and salty and crispy and need to not be in the sun for a while.
0: (laughs) Sounds nice though. I I have not been on a boat recently.
1: Well, while I've been on the boat, I've been thinking about this interview and I want to welcome you, Brandon, to Social PR Secrets. And the way that we met was you're one of my favorite people, Cat Howell. And through her mastermind. And Brandon is now a partner with Eight Loop and runs part of the mastermind and is a coach and helps CMOs and CEOs and agency owners and freelancers figure it all out. But I'm going to let you give some more of the details, Brandon.
0: Sure. So my career basically started in marketing 10 years ago in SEO. And over time, I got closer and closer to you know, where the rubber meets the road in terms of conversion, optimizing conversion from paid traffic or organic traffic. And then over time, I kind of clawed my way up into owning my own agency. I have an agency in the solar lead generation space. We help residential solar companies generate leads for their business. And we also coach them on how to do it on their own if they want to choose that option. So I reached out to Kat about partnering together in Eight Loop and uh, rebuilding it with her, and that's been amazing so far, and it keeps getting better. Because I have a passion for helping marketers and entrepreneurs, people who know how the know how the marketing sauce is made behind the scenes. I I prefer to communicate with people in that of that disposition. It makes
1: I love sense. that. Yeah. And before we actually started hit record and started recording, we were talking and I said, you know what, I want to theme out this, the art of persuasion, because we both come from a background of persuasion. So my background is in started in traditional PR, and then it kind of transitioned into integrating SEO and then social and, you know, of course, paid as part of the whole play now. And I think it's super interesting because we both are coming from that mindset of persuasion. So I think that it's, you know, kind of a very high level, but can also be super actionable on what does that mean in today's world? What do CMOs and CEOs need to know? What do internal teams need to know about the art of persuasion? So why don't we just start out with, you know, just talking about like, where does organic kind of fit in, in your brain right now, like in your, in your mindset to all of these different folks that we have going on and, and, and leading to, I want to get talk about the offer as well, but let's just start with organic and what your thoughts are on that.
0: So I think organic has changed in the past few years pretty rapidly. Increasingly platform-based like social media organic is on the rise if you've built a brand on social media over time, whether that's your personal IG account or a business account that is very deeply interwoven and sort of a platform form native type approach that people are relating to your content and beginning conversations with you it's become a very very powerful acceleration experience that people get when they find a brand who really just sort of knows them without ever having met them before and i think the the awareness piece of marketing is still as important as it ever was and if you're in the coaching or the marketing space looking to attract new clients, it's even more important because this there's so many people out there doing what you do. So your ability to resonate and give people an emotional ex, experience or just getting people to emote with content ends up being very important in the persuasion process of getting them to investigate working with you.
1: And where do you start when it comes to that with the, the, the content that actually... Creates emotion and resonates with the with the brand. And what are some some maybe some do's and don'ts that you see that are working and aren't working?
0: Sure. So the I feel the people who struggle the most to get uh, the ball rolling on this type of thing often have not gone back to the basics of understanding what who their audience is. What are the various versions of the marketing persona that that are out there? And what is it that they want this is the the basics of persuasion in order to persuade somebody to do anything really you you need to make sure that it meets their best interest to get what they want right it's not about what we want or convincing them to do what we want it's about how does what we do allow them to get what they want and so i think the most basic thing to ask yourself when you're creating a piece of content or reviewing your entire social account is Is our content about us or is it about our prospect? Is it about our audience? And and I would say more brands than ever are getting this right now, but you still see it. Everybody's sort of shouting into the abyss of like, oh, we were featured here when really maybe they should be saying like, here's how we got featured and you can too.
1: Correct. Yeah. I think I read on your LinkedIn, I love this um, little quote that you had about how the best leads are the warmest leads and have the best ROI. And I feel like sometimes we, you know, working with my clients and also working even with my own brands, it's kind of like you're creating all this content and you can't really tell if it's working. And then all of a sudden somebody will be like, Oh yeah, we, we you know, we love that, that the, the email that you put out, 21 things or something like that. And like, don't change it. And like, meanwhile, like inside the brand, you're, not because it's a warm kind of nurturing cycle, right? You're not really sure exactly where that's fitting in, but really it is fitting in. So like, how do you tell?
0: I think there's a data piece and there's a gut piece. I always look for that type of feedback. So that's obviously you knew at that moment, you're like, well, that piece is working, right? And I think it also does validate that the channel is working, like that your email is working by itself because people are opening it to check it out even if it's just once in a while. You know, looking at your email open rates and things like that is pretty important. I think if you look at the holistic buyer's journey that people go through, each phase has its own unique set of metrics and you know, without getting too technical, you want to ask yourself like do we have the right message for our persona at this phase? And how could we possibly tell whether we do or don't? And so, you know, email will give you open rights. If you're using an automation tool, you know, maybe shares on social is a good one, or even just comments, people tagging other people in them. Like that's a really good sign that it's very relatable, relatable enough to share. Right. I like that.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, from, I got that right. Right. The warm leads is is yeah. are the most valuable. And so the warm leads versus the hot leads or you know are going to take a while to convert. They're not going to happen overnight and you have to just keep nurturing them and through all these different angles. So what are what are some tips you can give on how to kind of build out that, you know, using whatever is is it organic, is it a blend of organic and paid to take them through that to get to that conversion point.
0: So a lot of that will depend on your business offer, right? So if you if you have a higher ticket offer, you can obviously invest a lot more to acquire a client. So depending on the dynamics of that piece and how familiar you are with paid, like paid may make sense for you to use. I think the, the most important framework to look at, here's where I start. I start at, can I get a stranger to book a call with my sales team or to make this purchase with nothing else? And the answer to that question will be yes, eventually, always, right? As long as you're not, as long as you're selling something that people actually want, which we can talk about offers in a little bit, but assuming you have an offer that has sold many times a service, that kind of thing, you should be able to get an appointment with somebody very cold by just promoting that the right way or getting it in front of the right person with some frequency. Once you have that piece done, then you can look at, all right, now let's put a step in front that really shows them who we are as a brand. And then let's use this conversion piece to book a call as the right hook. And again, that could be a purchase, but the idea is that you need to validate that your mechanism to get them over the fence works by itself on anybody. And once you have that, then you know, it's going to work better on people who you've had some kind of other impact on previously from your content.
1: And the book a call sounds pretty key. And I, I get that from being part of the mastermind that, you know, that's, that's a very important step in the conversion process is to get them to book the call. And then from that point, you know, it's, you, I don't know if you want to, if I'm saying this the right way, but you, that's that's like the hardest part, and then getting them on the call. What
0: advice do you give? So, showing up to the call, it really does depend on on how you position the call, what value the call will provide, right? So, one of the biggest mistakes I see is people will just simply say schedule a call. Well, that doesn't really have. Like to me, that sounds like an investment of my time mm-hmm. for the promise of potentially maybe solving my problem. So make it very clear to your prospect what they're going to get in that time, right? We'll use our five step evaluation tool that will put you on track to get desired result, right? We will like make, so you, ha- you get to sell your call to these people first. And when you do that, people show up to it because they want the benefit of the call. And then you can even say, if everything checks out, maybe we'll even work together in the future, right? But the strategy call has its own intrinsic value. You want to do this. This is the psychology that you want to put inside of your your marketing so that they feel it's a benefit. And it should be, honestly, a benefit to them to sit on a call with your team. You're qualifying them, but they're learning what they need to do to solve their problem at the same time.
1: Have with your brand, for example, that they would still walk away with with a benefit and with a good feeling like this, this brand helped me figure this out. And maybe I'm going to sign up or maybe not, but it's a good feeling. And kind of like you're you created a fan right even if they're not a customer
0: yeah. so i see this i see this all the time where someone will book an appointment with an agency or my agency and then we'll actually disqualify them we'll say hey you're not you're just not at the point that you can best leverage us you could pay us to do it you know you're not at the point that it makes sense for you to do that from a business perspective and telling people no oftentimes i'll see that person later recommend us and say, you should talk to them. They didn't work with me. Now I'm getting my business to where it needs to be so that I can work with a company like that, but they won't sell you if they can't help you get the result. And, and so, and they'll also recommend their friends and then maybe their friends are, a fit. this has happened. I've sold people who, or I've worked with people who were recommended to me after I told another person, no, So yeah, it's, it is a good experience and it's not easy necessarily, especially if you're not on the sales calls, I'm not anymore, but to make sure that the experience of being on that call provides value in both directions, but it's something to strive for.
1: Yeah. And that segues into the word experience. So can you talk a little bit about creating the best experience, whether it's, you know, an agency or internally, or even like a B2B experience?
0: Sure. So it's it's interesting when I got into the, the game of marketing it became very quickly about funnels and lead generation and nurturing people into becoming customers. What I didn't necessarily expect was that the concepts that I would learn there would also apply to managing team, contractors, employees, you know, motivating students who or clients to generate certain results in the paid media world oftentimes you will get a client who has a sales problem and wants to fix it with a marketing solution you see it a lot if you are an agency owner <laughs> so <laughs> yes. so learning learning how to help transform that client is well gosh i could probably write a book about that i don't know that it'd be good but i've i've had a lot of experience in that process and to step back and, and look at the point of what you're saying, like, how do you ensure that the experience is, is good? I think the first thing is back to that persona idea of like, what is their actual goal? How, what information, data, or you know anecdotes can you provide them to help them adopt the idea that what they actually need to do is what's in the way of their goal? And I think similar in terms of like, you know, websites or a process in your business, the data will tell you the story of where things aren't working in one way or another. Most of the time, there is a quantifiable way to determine whether your process is working often enough or not for your business. And being able to properly identify what the actual bottleneck is, I would say that's actually my primary skill, is being able to go into any type of situation in my in my business and break it down to like look at the symptom and then determine what the cause is and what's the bottleneck preventing it from being fixed. And then addressing that. I mean, that's largely all I do right now, actually in my life. Um, Sometimes that may be in the ad account. It may be on our website. It may be on my sales team. It may be in the delivery of the product, but there's always a story. And aligning with other people because I can't fix every problem, showing other people how solving this problem and investing themselves in solving that problem will create a better experience afterwards for them and that it can be fun and easy to solve this problem together. That's been what's worked for me to motivate people to change stuff they worked really hard on to put in place in the first place. That's one of the most challenging parts of my experiences. Some people feel that when you're tearing down something that they've built, they, they'll take it sort of personally, even though it's just to improve upon what they built already at my requirement, I guess you could say.
1: Yes. I've experienced that in going in with um PR social media SEO audits. And you know, we go in with the look, like we're not here to get anybody fired. We're just here to help. You know, get everybody with the same, you know, on this under the same mindset, so that we can improve. You know, whether it's the website needs help or the social channels are, you know, not optimized. Maybe you can share some examples of specific bottlenecks, or maybe one or two examples of a bottleneck that you see that common that we can, you know, maybe relate to and get your advice on like how you took action.
0: Sure. So, pretty recently we were rebuilding a funnel that we use to get people into a coaching program. And we noticed that we were getting a high booking rate or a, a decent rate per booked call. But these people weren't showing up to the call. You actually asked me specifically about this before. And so we ended up diving into the system to see, well, what's happening? Why are these people not showing up? And it actually took us multiple passes to get this one right, because at first we assumed that it was just because there was no proper notifications going out, which w- we discovered upon examination. There was no SMS nurtures being sent out. The email sequence that we had wasn't firing properly. So we're like, oh, well, that's why 50% of the people aren't showing up because they get one email one time saying they confirm the appointment and nothing after that. They're forgetting it's even they're supposed to be here. And then the second piece, which took us another month and a half to figure out was that the calendar tool that we were using at the time, it was set up in a 24 hour calendar, which normally wouldn't be that much of an issue, except that we advertise all over the world. And as a result of that, people were picking three o'clock, assuming it was PM when it was actually three o'clock AM. Now, normally you would never have somebody on the calendar available at three o'clock AM for them to pick. So it's not a problem. Uh, that you've run into very much. But uh, so now that we fixed that particular issue, we aren't getting people booked that late. And by the way, the way we discovered that that was happening was somebody messaged us and said, I didn't mean to book at 3 a.m. I meant to book at 3 p.m. And here's what I can tell you. This is a little bit of wisdom from the digital marketing world. If you heard a message about it from somebody, it's happened many, many times before that. And you heard nothing.
1: Definitely. Definitely. I I love that example. When it comes to awareness and and PR, we kind of like talked about that. But on the paid side of things, Facebook, LinkedIn, and you also gave these examples on your your LinkedIn profile talking about like marketing said, hey, you know, we got you all these leads. And then sales said, oh, they're all terrible leads. So talk about the paid side of things and like what's working and what's not. And what advice do you give to the marketing side and the sales side?
0: So Great question. And I have, I do have a lot of experience in this in particular, and I'm just tickled to share this story. So in the solar lead generation agency that we run, we do almost nothing and make very little effort towards any kind of brand awareness, brand marketing. Why is that? Well, I would say that we offer a sort of commodity service at high volume. We offer media buying as a service to residential solar companies who are really just looking for more leads that they can create appointments with and allow the homeowner to investigate whether it makes sense for them to go solar or not. So, in that process, right, it is very much all about the sales process and the nurture that our clients put into place in order to be successful because there's zero brand here to even talk about, right? So, I test all of this, all of the nurture, all of the things that we do write some of the nurture for our clients. And we test these things and these processes in a vacuum. And we have about 65 clients right now. So we see a ton of data on on what actually works in the sales process and what separates an organization who can be successful off of cold lead, cold internet-based lead generation through paid media and a company who can't. And what it ends up being is first and foremost, the amount of attempts to connect with that person. The, we have qualitative data on this because of our system actually shows us whether they call or whether they don't call. So on average, it takes 23 attempts on the phone for them to reach a homeowner on average, which to me is, it makes sense because I get a lot of junk calls from numbers I don't know. Mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that's what the experience is for the homeowner now they don't realize that they've actually requested this call right so you have to survive that and you also if they pick up the phone they may they assume you're a telemarketer still so the job of the appointment setter is to like work around and convince the person first and foremost this is not a telemarketing call i'm responding to your request for information right yeah.
1: I actually love this example, because I have to tell you, I literally yesterday just signed up through a sponsored ad on Facebook, for I think it was like the International Women's Association. And I'm very interested in it, because it ties in with my magazine, Female Disruptors. So I filled out the lead ad. And today, I'm like, this number just won't stop calling. And I'm (laughs) like, who is this? And I was getting nervous. So I just called it back real quick when I had time. And it was International Women's Association that I really do want to talk to them. And they're, you know, I think it's smart that they're calling over and over because they'll eventually I will pick up or I will call back. But one thing I just want to get your opinion on is like, why wouldn't they just like text and say, Hey, Lisa, you know, you filled out this lead ad and we want to talk to you. Let us know when a good time is.
0: They should, I would recommend it. They should try it at least. Uh, So we run all sorts of experiments on like we have one called the double dial where you call right back to back double dial. Well, then we'll leave a text. Well, we also do what's called the voicemail drop, which is, we'll we'll send a voicemail to the phone. Like it'll ring for like a moment and then push a voicemail through. I like that, yeah. And that just says, Hey, it's Brandon from solar company. Great news. Looks like your home is in one of the best categories for ability to go solar in terms of the return on your investment it should save you tens of thousands of dollars over the next 20 years on your electricity bills call me back right away and we'll we'll tell you exactly how that works right and then and that kind of message can can work to get the call to get a call back we try all sorts of different things i think the main thing like the organizations that are more successful Recognize that this is the top of their funnel. This is what they can impact, right? And so they try lots of stuff. They throw lots of stuff against the wall. They see what sticks. The most, most, most successful ones measure this stuff very carefully, which is complex, to say the least. I think the best practical advice that I have is if you if you're doing some kind of volume, you're, you'll be able to experiment a lot. And if you're if you're really not, let's say you you maybe get five leads a week or something like that just be consistent and keep calling them you know and when you do elect to leave a message or send a text or or voicemail don't just say hey it's me from this thing understand that your goal is to create a relationship with this person uh, when you do eventually get them on the phone so remind them of that goal that's why this this persona conversation and their their desires what they want to happen, those outcomes are so important. The biggest mistake I see people make is they make it about the product or service that they're trying to to help you understand. They forget that the person who's in the hardware store buying a drill bit doesn't want a drill bit. They want a hole in their wall. So this theme pops up everywhere. And whenever there's a bottleneck issue, when, when examined close enough, I, I'll look and I'll see that there's very often some kind of, of gap in between the language that we're using and what we're saying we want to happen and why the other person should even care about that.
1: Yeah. for listening to Social PR Secrets. This was part one of a two-part episode interviewing Brandon Smits. And if you like this episode, you'll love the next one where we get into the topic of digital wellness and what that means to entrepreneurs and agencies and B2B companies. And we also talk about the offer, the art of the offer. So stay tuned and check in with us on the next episode.